to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. Uh, this is uh, News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, you know... I grew up in Knoxville, and uh, I'm a UT alumna. I have two degrees from the University of Tennessee. My dad actually worked for the University of Tennessee for 25 years. He was general counsel uh, and secretary to the Board of Trustees. And uh, so I definitely grew up in the culture of the university. And uh, I love seeing the orange and white checkerboard in the football stadium. I love hearing Rocky Top in the basketball arena. I just love UT sports. I love everything about UT. I'm on the I'm on the advisory council for the Department of Finance. And you know, UT athletics are really such an important part of Knoxville and the entire East Tennessee culture. And it's really part of our identity as a region. You know, the balls have been fortunate to have coaches like Johnny Majors and, you know, of course, really started with Bob Nealon and Johnny Majors and Phil Fulmer. And then, of course, we've had Pat Summit in uh, really pioneered the entire way for women's basketball, along with countless other greats through the years. And many of our athletes have gone on to play professionally, have impacted the world in really a significant way. And uh, we were gonna we're gonna walk through kind of the history of Tennessee sports and talk a little bit about the impact of Johnny Majors, who of course passed away a, a little over a couple of weeks ago. And I believe Jimmy Himes from the Sports Animal is going to be joining us this morning, uh, hopefully momentarily here. And we're just going to get in and talk UT sports, you know, um, and and also speculate about the upcoming seasons. So. You know, if you really look at Tennessee's place in our entire culture, uh, and it just within East Tennessee, I know one of the things that I think Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, is really part of what Knoxville is. Um, I know so many people in this region are employed by the, either the University of Tennessee or the Oak Ridge Department of Energy. And it's just part of our fabric as a society. And I, I grew up in it. Uh, my blood definitely runs deep orange. I know I had considered, at one point, I considered going to maybe either the University of Indiana to study music or maybe the University of North Carolina to study engineering. But I ultimately ended up uh, at the University of Tennessee and studied music and then went and got my MBA from the University of Tennessee. But to me, Knoxville is the University of Tennessee. And it's such a huge impact over so long. And sports really have impacted uh, our society so much. And Johnny Majors, of course, you know, was runner-up to the Heisman Trophy in 1956. He passed away a couple of weeks ago. I knew Johnny Majors when I was a young kid growing up. And my wife and I had the privilege, and my kids had the privilege of um, – 
kind of meeting him again when he was, uh, you know, just a few years ago, we went to the spring game, the orange and white game, and uh, we're fortunate enough to have our picture with Johnny Majors down on the field with my wife and my two beautiful daughters. And it was really something else. And he was really just a legend uh, in, in the sports world here. And as many people believe that was really the greatest travesty in the Heisman history and with the Heisman Trophy uh, is him losing to Paul Hornet. Now, of course, Johnny Majors always said the person that really should have won it that year was Jim Brown. And, of course, I won't argue with that. We, you know, we think more recently that Peyton Manning was the greatest travesty you know, in the Heisman Trophy history. We've had three three or four runners-up at the University of Tennessee. He shooter was a runner-up. Things it seems like it might have been one other person. But, of course, you know, he won the he was runner-up in 1956. He was the head football coach for over 15 years. Of course, came here after he won a national championship at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, I was in New Orleans at the end of the 1985 season when we beat University of Miami. I was there for that game in the Sugar Bowl. That was such an incredible orange and white seen. So there's just so many great memories. I think Johnny Majors was just so important to the UT program. And I know that um, I know that uh, excuse me, I got a little distracted there. I know that Johnny Majors, you know, the way things you know, transpired for his ouster back in 1992, you know, was not the greatest thing in the world between the University of Tennessee and Johnny Majors. And, uh, you know, I think he and the University of Tennessee, he, he, he got back involved, you know, after he retired from the University of Pittsburgh. He did get back involved in the culture and luckily was uh, able to kind of reconnect and reattach to the University of Tennessee, which I think is great. I'll tell you what, we are going to get Jimmy Himes on the line. We're going to go to our break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to dive into the history of the University of Tennessee, uh, its impact on the culture, the impact of Johnny Majors, and then talk about what, 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 what we see in the fall and even into the winter sports. So don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan. Only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. You are listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. And, you know, to me, the University of Tennessee and the sports culture over there is just part of what Knoxville is to me. And we are fortunate to be joined by sports animals Jimmy Hines from our sister station. Good morning, Jimmy. Welcome to More Living. It's great to have you with us. Well, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you with us. So I was just talking in that first segment of Jimmy about really the impact on our culture of not only the University of Tennessee, but the sports scene. I mean, I, to me, Knoxville in many ways is the University of Tennessee. And 
I think it's just part of our culture here. Can you just talk to you, to our listeners about your view of the impact of the University of Tennessee and our identity with the sports culture here? Well, absolutely. It's part of the sports culture and the economic impact that the University of Tennessee has athletically and in particular with football is absolutely enormous. Um, you've got uh, restaurants that are impacted. Uh, you've got uh, motels that are impacted. You've got a, a lot of uh, stores uh, that sell souvenirs from the University of Tennessee that are impacted. And this reaches into the hundreds of millions of dollars for each, each season for home games in the fall. Uh, that's huge. And not only that, not only does it impact folks financially, it impacts them emotionally. I mean, people are so attached to Tennessee football um, and other sports, but, but uh, football primarily, that uh, when Tennessee doesn't win a game, you know it. When Tennessee wins a game just, in this community, yeah. you know it. I mean, the city almost goes into a depression, really. It's funny how it feels the next week. And, I mean, I'm the, you know, when we lose a big game, I'm the same way. I probably put way too much stock in it. But I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we I really identify by it, right? Yes. And, uh, and that's why uh, in recent years it's been um, so troublesome for Tennessee fans. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what. And, and I'll go back to this, and this is a long time ago, but I remember Tennessee went 16 years without winning the SEC championship between 1969 and 85. And when Tennessee won it in 85, there was incredible euphoria. And Tennessee made it to the Sugar Bowl, and they played Miami. The attendance that night was around 77,000. And I will bet you 60 to 65,000 were Tennessee fans. It was unbelievable oh. the way Tennessee fans took over New Orleans, took over the Superdome and uh, supported that team. If Tennessee is able to get back to an SEC title again, I'm telling you, there'll be an incredible outpouring of support. I don't doubt that at all. And actually, I think it was absolutely 65,000. I was at that game, Jimmy. I mentioned in in the first segment there, because I was talking about the impact of Johnny Majors. And, of course, that was the first time we won SEC in so long, and it was just Oh, my goodness, the support. Tennessee's just so hungry for success. And, and really, I, we're going to get into all this. Tennessee really, you know, the fans here really support a great basketball program, too, in the women and the men. And actually, with the economic impact, I'm going to come around to that a little bit later because I want to talk about the impact moving forward and how important football is amidst all this COVID-19 stuff. But before we get to all that, Jimmy, I do want to talk about Johnny Majors. I mean, you know, he had such a huge impact as a player and a coach. Tell us, in your view, Johnny Major's impact, and do you think in the last 10 or 15 years, he re- it seemed to me like he reconnected with the University of Tennessee in a good way, and which I, I like seeing that late in his life. Well, he did, and when you go back to when he reported to Tennessee's campus back in, what, 1952 or 53, up until he passed away, he had so much to do with Tennessee as a great football player, as a Heisman Trophy runner-up, as a two-time SEC Player of the Year. Uh, then he became a coach at Tennessee. He came back in 1977. Interestingly, against the advice of his younger brother, Bobby, who said, you got things going so well at Pittsburgh, you just won a national championship. Tennessee is down. Why don't you ride that thing at Pitt and win some more national titles? But Johnny Majors came back to Tennessee. Uh, it took him a while to win an SEC title. But uh, I think Johnny Majors, I think the Majors' name is synonymous with Tennessee football, and I thoroughly enjoyed covering him. There are very few coaches that I enjoyed covering more than him. I thought he was very honest. He was very fair. He understood the role of the media. 
And the other thing that some people didn't know about him, he had a very diverse interest. Uh, he was interested in the symphony and ballet. He read a lot. He, he loved talking politics. He was a historian. And um, uh, and every time he would go to New York, almost every time he'd go to New York, he would go to watch a play. Uh, I just I just thought he was an intriguing character and, and one of my favorite people. And, uh, Jim, I was saddened by this. I happened to call him May the 21st. Just called him, check on him. I did that from time to time. How are you doing? He said, you know, today's my birthday. And he said, I'm 85. He said, I never thought I'd live to be 60. I said, well, a lot of people didn't think you're going to be 60. But um, he said, hey, we're going to do lunch when this virus thing clears up. And I said, you got it. He said, well, you re- you remind me now. Don't let you let that thing slip away. And uh, certainly we didn't get a, get a chance to have that lunch. But I, I just thoroughly enjoyed Johnny Majors. Yeah, he just had an enormous impact. And his in- impact, Jimmy, on the coaching world, the amount of head coaches that, that tutored under Johnny Majors, it, it really was remarkable or is remarkable, the number of successful head coaches that have come from under his tutelage. Absolutely. They initially sent out a list of 33, and then they found Gene Chizik to make it 34. So, yeah, th- that's a bunch now. That is a bunch. And uh, so yeah, I mean, I, you look at I, you look at other head coaches and the impact. I mean, I don't thirty four head coaches. I mean, and and many super super successful guys. I mean, I just can't. I don't know of any other coaches with a tree like that. No, I, I don't know that there is another one. And uh, and I thought about Bear Bryant, but I don't think history extends that far. But you had like Jackie Sherrill. Jackie Sherrill spoke at uh, delivered the uh, a eulogy at John Major's funeral service in Lynchburg a while back. But you had him, you had um, Jimmy Johnson, who's Larry Lacewell. There were a ton of people under his tutelage. Uh, Gene Fizzick won a national championship at Auburn. So there were a ton of them that, uh, that learned under him. And, and when asked about that, he said the key was being a, uh, a great teacher. He said, my dad was a great teacher. I tried to be a great teacher. And if you are a great teacher, that's what coaching is about. And he said, I think that's one reason we were able to have so many uh, coaches under him, under me, he said, that uh, they became head coaches and very successful head coaches. Yeah, that's really great. That's a great testimony. Uh, well, you know, UT football, Jimmy, you know, Tennessee is 10th all-time in wins in NCAA football. And when you talk about the great programs, and there's been some stuff coming out recently on ESPN and other places about you know, the top tier of, of, of football programs and the, the second tier and the third tier. But when you look at Tennessee football historically, you know, I think there's a recency bias because we haven't been that good in 12 or 13 years. We haven't been to the SEC championship game since 2007. But the reality is Tennessee football is 10th in all-time wins. How do you view the football job at the University of Tennessee and its and its impact on college football. And you I think, think it's a great giant. Yes, and I think it's a great job. Now, I don't think it's quite as good as it used to be, uh, and I say that in part because what you've done in the last ten or fifteen years uh, that has more of an impact in recruiting and has more of an impact on kids. And I think if you've been down for a while, it's harder to rebuild. But Tennessee, as you mentioned, they're in the top ten all time in wins. Uh, if you went from 1926 when Nealon took over to now, they're easily in the top five, even though they've had a bit of a down spell here in recent years. The other thing is, 
Alabama's the only team in the SEC that's won more SEC championships than Tennessee. So that's another feather in Tennessee's cap as far as tradition is concerned. But it's fallen down a little bit. It's a top 20 job. I don't know that I wouldn't say it's a top 10 job anymore because there's so many other programs that have taken football seriously and have great stadiums and have invested a lot in their programs. But I think it needs to be a top 20 job. And, yes, I do think you could call a sleeping giant because if you get the right guy in here, and it very well might be Jeremy Pruitt, you get the right guy in here and Tennessee will win at a high level again. Well, and that's the thing to me, Jimmy. I mean, you get the right coach, and all of a sudden, I mean, people talk about Florida being a great basketball job. But if you look at Florida's history in basketball, really, until Billy Donovan, there was no tradition or history. Yet he defined that whole program. So you get the right guy in here with the way the fan base supports and the way the university and the budget and the facilities now, we don't have the recruiting base of Georgia or Florida or LSU, uh, so certainly that knocks it down a notch. But you get the right guy in here, Jeremy Pruitt can turn out to be that guy. I mean, t- Philip Fulmer certainly made this a top seven, top eight job, right? Yes, uh, you're right about that. So, and, and to your point about tradition at Florida, you're right. Until Billy Donovan got there, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, but but Tennessee, Tennessee has had, uh, they've had a lot of success at a various times in the uh, they had it when Neyland came in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. They had uh, a national championship in the 50s and an undefeated regular season in the 50s. Uh, the 60s was uh, started out slowly, but then Doug Dickey came in and got it turned around. Uh, the 70s were a tough decade uh, for the most part. Yeah. So were the 80s uh, until 1985. So uh, there there had been some different spots for Tennessee. but I, And as far as the recruiting base, you're right. It's not the recruiting base of Georgia of Florida, of of Louisiana, but it's gotten a lot better. The population has grown. I think the Tennessee Titans have contributed to that because you've got uh, more interest in football just because of an NFL team. And, oh, by the way, a number of assistant coaches for the Titans have had sons that went on to become outstanding football players. And I think that also has helped produce more quality players in the state of Tennessee. So it, it used to be where if you got the top three or four, that's about all you, you could get from Tennessee to win at a high level. Now you can go 10, 12, 15 deep with that. Yeah, especially in the way Nashville has grown. You know, I guess the Titans, but just the entire culture of Nashville is just unbelievable. Now, the amount of uh, athletes, Jimmy, that have come through here that have made a significant impact beyond the University of Tennessee. Of course, Peyton Manning is the first one that kind of jumps to mind recently. Uh, You know, you've got here recently Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Jordan Boner in the NBA. Of course, Alan Houston had such, such a big impact. Talk a little bit about the impact you think that athletes have had beyond the University of Tennessee and how that affects the brand of, of the University of Tennessee's culture. Well, it's tremendous. And you start with Peyton Manning. He's the most visible. He's, he's the best quarterback Tennessee's ever had. Some would argue the best player that Tennessee's ever had. He's one of the top five quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. It's hard to watch TV without seeing a commercial with Peyton Manning on somewhere. And so he's the most visible and I would think that of um, any modern-day athlete, he's contributed more financially to the University of Tennessee than anybody. Uh, you mentioned some of the basketball players that are, are key. Uh, I would go to Todd Helton. He's, he's the best baseball player, oh, yeah. in my opinion, that's ever played at Tennessee. And he was a two-sport athlete. And so I, I think he would, uh, he would merit consideration in that conversation. But there have been a lot of uh, tremendous athletes. 
even if you look now, and while Tennessee's had a bit of a down spell, if you look now, Tennessee in the NFL ranks among the leaders in the SEC with producing NFL players. And I think that says a lot for the program as well. So there, there are a lot of great things with Tennessee, with the, the athletes, the high profile. And, uh, and I think it's pretty neat, too, that the Tennessee football staff has several former Tennessee players on the staff, including guys like T. Martin and, and Jay Graham and Kevin Simon. I think that's good. And I think they understand Tennessee. They understand the culture. They understand how to sell the school. They understand how to recruit to Tennessee. But uh, there are a lot of great athletes that are still around here as well. Robert Ayers, who was a first-round draft pick uh, about a dozen years ago, he's now an assistant coach at Catholic High School. He's come back to Knoxville to be a coach. So I think that's another neat story. Yeah, man, I tell you what, Jimmy, you talking about all this is getting me fired up. I'm ready for some (laughs) some fall sports for sure. I'm like, man, I'm ready to tee it up. I'm ready to get down in a three-point stance and come firing off the ball. That's just kind of a joke <laughs> I have with some of my friends. But, um, hey, before we finish this segment, because uh, when we come back, I want to talk about as we move forward, Jimmy, into the fall, but, you know, with everything going on in the health world. But we, we can't talk about the University of Tennessee and the impact of the sports at the University of Tennessee without talking about Pat Summit. Really, yeah. not just a pioneer for women's basketball. Really, you could say – maybe as important a pioneer in women's sports overall as anybody in history. Do you agree with that comment, and can you touch a little bit on the impact you saw from your perspective? Well, I do agree with that. So we talked about all the coaches under Johnny Majors that became head coaches. It's 34. I would bet you there's an equal number that came under Pat Summit. In fact, I don't think there's been anybody that's had more assistance become head coaches than John Majors in football and Pat Summit in women's basketball. In fact, just recently, uh, one of her um, uh, players became the head coach at Mississippi State. Another one became the head coach at Florida A&M. I don't know the exact number of those that became head coaches, but I think the number of those that became coaches probably numbers into the 70s. And, uh, by the way, Kelly Harper's one of those. She's a head coach for the Lady Vols right, right now. Yeah. So I, I, and, and here's the thing, too. She didn't just promote women's basketball, and I think she was the all-time best at that. She promoted women's sports. She promoted the opportunity. And what she also did was she played anywhere uh, that she could to promote the game. She would, And, in fact, if she signed a player from California, she'd go out and play a game in California. Uh, if she signed a player from West Virginia, they'd play in West Virginia. They would like to go back to the hometown of the players that they recruited, the players that they signed, and give those folks an opportunity to see them. She went and played up in New York after she signed Chimiqua Hosclaw. So I thought that was really good. But she would play anybody, anywhere, and did a terrific job promoting women's basketball. And I dare say the popularity of the game, even though she's not been with us for a while, the popularity of the game, you you owe that to Pat Summit. And I don't know that they would have forged ahead with the WNBA when they did without the presence of Pat Summit and the influence she had on the women's game. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And really, so when I think of Pat Summit, it's not just her impact on women's basketball. To me, it's her. she transcends sport. I mean, her impact and opportunities for women. I mean, she was all about equality. I remember back when she started, you know, they were playing six. They played three girls on one end and three girls on the other. They thought they wouldn't be able to run up down the court. And she was like, no, we could run up down the court. So she really 
was just transcends women's sports in general, I think. And it's just unbelievable the, the, the impact she has had. Tell you what, we're going to get to our next break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to get, uh, we're going to start covering what, what, what things look like going forward with UT sports. I mentioned I'm awfully excited about UT football in the fall, but will we have football? And will we be able to go to the games? What's the impact as we see athletes around the country testing positive uh, for COVID-19? We'll also have our dollars and cents segment. In a recent uh, study from Social Security, more than 15,000 survivor benefits have been underpaid. What is the implication and the impact for you, and what do you need to be doing about that? So don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Through his weekly radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College, Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The University of Tennessee really has such an impact on the culture here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and the athletic programs and the sports world is such a big part of our everyday lives. We're visiting this morning with Jimmy Hyams from our sister station, the Sports Animal WNML on uh, FM 99.1, and we're talking about, we've talked about Johnny Majors and Pat Summit. Uh, coming up here in a bit, we're going to talk about moving forward into the fall and what that may look like. Uh, before we get back to Jimmy, however, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. Are you getting what you're due from Social Security? A new internal report released last week by the Social Security Administration's Office of Inspector General revealed that more than 15,000 widows and widowers who are currently collecting retirement benefit on their own earnings record are entitled to receive larger benefits as survivors and have been underpaid. These dually entitled beneficiaries, when you have a spouse that has passed away, can choose to collect either their own benefit or the spouse, the survivor benefits, and allow their own the other benefit to increase. It's a really a great program that Social Security has for widows and widowers where you can draw one without affecting the other and it continues to grow, especially, you know, until you turn seventy years old and then you might would want to switch. Well many people haven't claimed those properly. And you know, if you were married for at least nine months at the time of your spouse's death and you haven't remarried prior to age sixty, or if you're a divorced spouse, and you were married for at least 10 years, you're eligible for those widow and widower benefits. 
Um, according to this report from Social Security, they estimate that just over 15,000 retirement beneficiaries were eligible for almost $194 million in extra widow benefits as of September of 2019. So Social Security is underpaid. And here's what I think this means. You know, I do, I do think the Social Security office, you know, when you're they, they, they do the best they can at putting all the dots together, connecting the dots. But the reality is you have to understand the issues and, and how the benefit structure is set up. You know, Social Security, under the law, workers at Social Security are forbidden to give you advice. They can explain how benefits work, but they cannot give you advice. And understanding not just widow and widower benefits, divorce spousal benefits, how how other spousal benefits work, how the discounts work if you draw early, how the income, how does income impact those benefits? All of those things are so critically important. The reality is every social security strategy for every person or couple is completely different than, than another. What was good for your neighbor or your worker or your sibling may not be best for you. Every social security strategy has to be analyzed. And, you know, we don't know when we're going to pass away. You have to make wise and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your retirement life. So don't leave that to other people. Get involved. Don't leave it to social security to make sure they're going to cover everything correctly. Make sure you understand the rules and have a defined social security strategy that can impact your income positively in retirement. This morning, we're visiting with Jimmy Hyams from our sister station, the Sports Animals, uh, WNML, and we're talking about the incredible impact of the University of Tennessee, especially on the sports the, the sports department over there. And we've, we've talked about the history of UT. Let's talk about moving forward, Jimmy. Uh, the 2020-2021 sports seasons, the school year, you know, could be unlike we've ever seen in my lifetime both from the not just from the vantage point of the effect of the pandemic, but the excitement in the fan bases. I know because we haven't had sports. You know, we didn't have an NCAA tournament. Basketball, sport, uh, baseball, and softball got started and then had to stop. So we're and we're not sure what's going to happen with game schedules in the fall. Let Let's start there. What are you seeing with universities across, especially the southeast? We know that. Several schools have seen positive tests among their football players. The University of Tennessee has not. However, the University of Tennessee did have one positive test on their basket, the men's basketball team. How do you see this evolving? I know we don't know, but, man, I mean, it's just so much uncertainty right now. Well, I'm concerned. Uh, you got Texas had 13 football players test positive. Clemson had 28 athletes and staff members test positive, but they – they gave 315 tests, which may be more tests than what other schools have done. Houston had six athletes in a variety of sports tests positive, and they shut down their workouts. That concerns me. Alabama had five out of 50-something that uh, had a positive test. So th those numbers bother me a little bit because uh, in Major League Baseball, my understanding is they shut down the training camps. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, the Phillies were in clear uh, – I believe it was Clearwater. Uh, you had um, – Dunedin is the home for Toronto, and they shut those down. The tra all training camp sites for Major League Baseball shut down. And the reason I mention these things is, is this is impacts all sports. It, 
And so when I see other sports have issues like that, I worry about college football. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the leading expert on infectious disease, has indicated that football needs to do what the uh, NBA and NHL and others are doing, and that's to play in a bubble. Well, you, you can't do that, not in college football. So I do have concerns about that, where that's going to go, if they're going to be able to play. I would love to see them play. And, and I, I agree completely with you. If we have college football, uh, now, if they would allow everybody to go that wants to, you would see incredible attendance. But that's not going to happen, I don't think. I think many, most stadiums are going to have a limited number of fans that are going to attend. Tennessee has not given a number on what it's going to do. Philip Fulmer said in an interview that we had on Sports Talk uh, earlier in the week that he would like to see a full house at Neyland Stadium. I think that's unlikely. I have heard from a number of sources that Tennessee, they're studying a lot of plans, but one of the plans was to have one-third attendance, which is about 33,000 in Neyland Stadium, and practice social distancing and moving people uh, to areas where they're not clustered. And then how do you figure out who those 33,000 are? I think there are a lot of things still to be worked through. I don't think you have to make decisions now, but I am concerned when I see these more recent outbreaks about whether or not we're even going to have college football. Well, and Jimmy, when you look, I mean, there's the NCAA is the governing body for college sports, and then you have, of course, the Power Five major conferences, and then, of course, you've got the smaller conferences. But there's different situations in different pockets of the country. I mean, how do you right. see that evolving? Do you think you could see the SEC, for example, playing games, but not the Pac-12? I mean, do you think every conference is going to act unilaterally? Do you think the NCAA is going to Im- impact, you know, impact? implement rules across the board and different stadiums may allow different, you know, percentages of fans. I mean, how do you see this evolving? That's a great question. And it's really hard to tell. So in the, in the big 10, we've seen the coach at Penn state say that if uh, 10 of our 14 members are ready to go, we're playing football. If Rutgers can't go, if Indiana can't go, then too bad we're playing. So you don't want a few schools to hold back the others. If 12 of the 14 SEC schools can play and two can't, I think the SEC will play football. If uh, the Pac-12 has half of their teams that can't play, and a bunch of them, I think at least four of them are in California, then the Pac-12 may not play at all. Uh, There's been some conversation that I saw out of the Big Ten that maybe they would just play conference games. They would play 10 conference games, and that's it. No non-conference games. Uh, Would the SEC go down that path? Perhaps. I don't think they would, but they might. Uh, I do think there is a very real chance. Uh, let's say you got 65 Power 5 teams. If 8, 10, 12 of them can't play, I think the others do play, and they manage the schedule as best they can because financially it would be an incredible burden, not just on athletic departments but universities. As Philip Fulmer said in our interview the other day, the, the, the athletic department accounts for $17 million that kind of goes back to the university in terms of scholarship money, in terms of parking indebtedness, they pay for that, in terms of a lot of different things that the athletic department does. And then there's, uh, there's a couple million more that goes to them in a variety of ways. So there's, the, the athletic departments funnel a lot of money directly or indirectly back to their universities. And the universities would be hurt a great deal if we didn't have sports. So that's one reason so many are going to try to push forward uh, for this, for the financial reasons, and hopefully we will be able to have fall sports. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the financial implication. And in the city of Knoxville, you talked earlier about yeah. the impact financially that the University of Tennessee sports has had on the, on the community with restaurants and retailers and just everything. And it's just, that's why I think they're going to do everything they possibly can to play some kind of football. But, Jimmy, what about the impact on small schools? I mean, they get their big paydays going to big schools, you know, when they come visit the University of Tennessee for homecoming or, you know, when Tennessee plays Chattanooga or East Tennessee State. I mean, what's the impact there if you only play the big games? It could be devastating. Yeah, like an ETSU might get 500000 800000 if they play a Tennessee or a Georgia or, or an SEC team, that's a large part of their budget. That's huge. That means a lot to them. The same for UT Chattanooga, the same for a lot of smaller programs. We've already seen a lot of programs around the country that have dropped sports. Uh, Cincinnati dropped men's soccer. Bowling Green dropped baseball. Then they brought it back when some boosters said, hey, we need to proceed. Brown dropped a number of sports. I think they dropped eight. And then they brought back men's track and field indoor, outdoor, and cross-country because they said that that was denying opportunities in terms of diversity. So they added those sports back in the name of diversity. But we've already seen the the impact. Uh, Heck, I tried to get in touch with the the sports information director at Missouri yesterday and found out that he's on furlough. So Now, that hasn't happened at Tennessee. Nobody's been on furlough. But there are officials that work within athletic departments that have been put on furlough, uh, unpaid furlough. So uh, that's why it's so important. And here's the thing, too. If you can only play eight games, six games, that's better than none. That's millions of dollars. And you also get the TV money. Not to be lost in all this conversation, you're, you're going to lose a lot of revenues from your fans, from not being there, from parking, from concessions and so forth, souvenirs. But y- you can recoup a, a good bit of that with the TV money. So if you're playing some football games, at least you're getting that money from your ESPN package or your CBS package. If you don't play, well, that's millions more that universities and athletic departments will not get. And we're visiting with Jimmy Hines from the Sports Animal WNML, and we're talking about we talk about the history of UT sports and kind of as we move forward into the fall. When we come back, I do want to talk a little bit about where we're headed because things certainly seem to be on the uptick with all UT sports, football, basketball, women's basketball, baseball, softball's been great. I mean, everything seems to be headed in a very positive direction. What does Jimmy see for the outlook of UT sports? So don't go away. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Thank you for listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. If you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again, visit BroganFinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in to More Living this morning here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI as we're visiting with Jimmy Hines from uh, News Talk, or excuse me, from Sports Talk, uh, Sports Animal (laughs) 99.1. Yeah, sorry about that, Jimmy. Um, And we're talking about UT sports, great thing, the history, the impact on Knoxville, and moving forward, Jimmy, let's, let's dive into that. You know, the football program has really been in the wilderness almost 
for 12 years now, there seems to be a lot of enthusiasm and optimism about Jeremy Pruitt and his impact on the program. Certainly, uh, the recruiting classes have been good. Maybe not like they were under Philip Fulmer, but they've been getting better. And then the, there's a lot of momentum with the current uh, crop of high school rising seniors in terms of commitments and, and a buzz in the recruiting circles. Where do you see UT football going? Do you think Jeremy Pruitt may be the guy to be able to get us back to being a perennial top 10, top 15 program team year to year? The more I see out of Jeremy Pruitt, the more I like him. The more I believe he can get the job done. Uh, Tennessee ranks number two in the nation right now in recruiting and football, which is outstanding. I don't think there's a program in the country that has more commitments at this point than does Tennessee, which is a very good sign. Uh, he's getting really good players from in-state. I think they got five or six commitments from the state of Alabama. They're hitting Georgia, which they need to and should, and have done a good job there. They're hitting into the Carolinas, which I think has been a, uh, an area that Tennessee has not tapped in enough, and in the Tidewater area. So I, I think they've done a great job. I'm very impressed with that. Uh, they bounced back from a bad start last year to win eight football games. They won a bowl game. And he's got them going in the right direction. And there's a lot of reason for optimism uh, based on what he has done so far. Now, then, when we pivot, uh, I agree with you, Jimmy. I'm as excited as I've been in a long time. When you look at UT basketball, you know, and Rick Barnes, of course, he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. Um, you know, we had – just an unbelievable team a couple of years ago. He's got as good a recruiting class coming in as Tennessee basketball has ever had. He seems to be fishing in a pond now of, of uh, basketball recruits that ten- really is unprecedented in Tennessee history. Tennessee's basketball tradition, Jimmy, I think is underrated. We've got the second most wins over Kentucky. I think the most second most wins as an SEC school. Um, talk about the future for UT basketball. I think the future is incredibly bright. I think the world of Rick Barnes as a coach and as a person. I remember when he first came here, people were like, well, Texas let him go, and, and he's he's getting up in age, and he's just going to be in a rocking chair and all that. Nothing could have been further from the truth. Now, his first recruiting class, he didn't sign that many highly rated players. If they signed six players, I don't know that any of them are higher than, like, rank 150. And Grant Williams was oh, yeah. not. He was a two-time player of the year in the league. Uh, Admiral Schofield, who came in the year before, wasn't highly rated. Uh, Kyle Alexander wasn't highly rated. And, and these guys just blossomed. Jordan Bone, they blossomed, became very good players because of the coach, uh, because of Rick Barnes and his coaching staff developing players. And, uh, and then what I liked about it was the fans had a chance to grow with these players. You see some programs like Kentucky in particular that have a bunch of one-and-dones. Well, Tennessee didn't have that. So the fans got to relate for three years to Grant Williams, for three years to Jordan Bone, four years for Admiral Schofield, four years for Kyle Alexander. And I think the, the players grew, the fans grew with them, and it just became a, a, an event, a magical experience to go to Thompson Bowling Arena and watch that basketball team. And with that, with that winning and with that attention, Tennessee is able to bring in some five-star players, Jaden Springer, uh, Ken Johnson, some really good basketball players, uh, Corey Walker is coming in. Uh, they've got a transfer, Nicky Anasicki's younger brother, who's a double-digit rebounder, where he played in Sacred Heart in the smaller uh, level of college foot, uh, college basketball. So I, I think it's I think they're going in a wonderful direction. I I think they I think they have a chance to win the SEC. I think they have a chance to be a top ten team, 
And by golly, if they get the right breaks, I think they could knock on the door of the Final Four. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? Tennessee basketball, you know, Jimmy, I grew up going to the games at Stokely Athletic Center. And Knoxville is such a fun place when Tennessee basketball is good. And it's so fun because Tennessee fans will really support basketball. Hey, Jimmy, we're about out of time. But uh, tell, tell me what you've got coming up this week uh, over on the Sports Animal with your programming. One of the things we've done with the, the coronavirus out there, not that many games to be played, we have tried to put together a great list of guests, and we have continued to do that, and I hope that people have uh, tuned in to listen to that. We're going to start off the week, as we always do with Dr. Jerry Punch and with Rob Lewis. We're going to interview Alan Cockrell on Tuesday. Cockrell was a quarterback in 1982 when Tennessee snapped the 11-game losing streak to Alabama. So we're going to visit with him. Looking forward to that. But uh, we try to bring a, a great lineup of guests every week because there's not as much sports to talk about, and that's what we'll continue to do next week. That's great. Jimmy, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us again. It's been a while since we've had you on. It's always a pleasure, and I look forward to continuing to listen to everything you do through the weeks. Jim, the pleasure's mine. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. That's Jimmy Hines from the Sports Animal. And we've discussed really the impact of the University of Tennessee on the culture of Knoxville because a greater community provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Many thanks to Chris. Thank you to Jill helping produce the show and to Jimmy Hines, our guest. As you've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a very blessed weekend. And next week, we are going to have Marsha Blackburn on to talk about where things are headed in Washington, D.C. Have a great week. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.